0: Welcome to the Motor City Hoops Podcast, your home for all things Detroit Pistons and NBA. Thank you for choosing Motor City Hoops, and I hope you enjoy this episode. Hey, Hoopheads, once you finish listening to this episode, be sure to check out the rest of the Hoopheads Podcast Network for even more great basketball content. Welcome to episode 47 of the Motor City Hoops podcast. If you have not yet listened to episode 46, that is an episode you must go check out. I was joined by Eli Bashi, contributor at Piston Powered, and all-around Detroit Pistons superfan. But on today's episode, I have another amazing guest. Bryce Hendricks is a friend, a guy I met through Twitter and his NBA draft content, and now is a fellow contributor for Detroit Bad Boys. I'm so excited for this episode that now that Bryce is officially part of Hashtag Detroit up, Bryce, welcome to the podcast and thank you for joining me.
1: Yeah, of course, man. It's uh it's surreal to be on a podcast that had David Aldridge on it. So, uh, <laughs> you know, I'm uh I'm, I'm blessed to be on, man, and uh, you know, this is my second time and, yep. and hopefully it's uh, you know, even a step up from the last time. So very excited.
0: Absolutely, yeah. So Bryce was on us uh, leading up to the draft on with us when Vlad was still here leading up to the draft. And uh, he's going to be on you know, very frequently now that he's a member of the Detroit Bad Boys. And and before we really get going, I want to thank Sean and Laz over at Detroit Bad Boys, not only for bringing Bryce on board, but myself as well. I know has done amazing things for Motor City Hoops and the podcast and just given me a platform to share my content. And now it's going to introduce all of you to the incredible content creator that Bryce Hendricks is, um, which we're going to get into right now. Bryce, you kind of went and did a breakdown of, of all the rookies, but even dove into some of the ones that maybe not as heralded. You know, it's it's easy to get excited about doing a breakdown on Cade Cunningham. But I want to talk about a couple of guys that we didn't see in summer league due to injuries and the, what you saw when you broke those guys down. So let's start with Chris Smith, the undrafted free agent, coming off an ACL injury with UCLA. What, what can Pistons fans be excited about him and the two-way contract he's on?
1: So Chris Smith is... Just one of those guys that I, I was really happy the Pistons took a bet on because he's a wing, and and I just find it's it's so important to build out your roster with wings. Uh, they inherently just have more positional versatility. Uh, Smith is someone who I had as a first rounder last year before he withdrew, um, and, and he was going back to college and he was having um, one of the best shooting seasons of his career. And uh, you know he he sadly tore his ACL right um, right at the wrong time and and missed the back half of the season and going undrafted. But I was a very savvy pickup. Um, what I like about Chris Smith is that every year he's really improved on something. Um, he kind of came into UCLA his freshman season as, as sort of just a bouncy hyper athlete. Um, and he developed into more of an on ball player come his junior year. And this last year, you know, not super high volume, but he was shooting 50% from three in 12 games before he tore his ACL. Um, I think the shot looks a lot better than it ever has. Uh, he's a smart passer. He's a s- smart defender, and he's a pretty good athlete. I think there's a lot to like there. Um, I think, you know, it probably was the ACL that, that made him go undrafted. And in the modern NBA, the modern world, that's a fairly recoverable injury. So I, I really like him. I liked everything he showed at UCLA while he was there, the improvement sort of trajectory he's on. Um, I I really like that pickup uh, on a two-way for the Pistons. Yeah, I mean, that's what
0: I kind of like to remind people is this isn't the 90s or early 2000s. Um, you know with ACL injuries you know guys bounce seem to bounce back from those now when they're reoccurring or it's one injury on top of another like with a Clay Thompson it's different but I, I think you can reasonably expect that Chris Smith is going to come back full strength from that ACL injury especially where he's probably not r- rushing it or pushing to get back too early so you know I don't expect to see a lot of them with the Pistons on that two-way but um, it'll be fun to watch him with the crews this season. And then the other guy is Isaiah Livers, you know, coming off the injury. Obviously, most fans know a lot about him since he played at Michigan. Um, I was excited. He was a guy I drafted in a lot of the mock drafts I did because I think shooting is a uh, was something this team really needed from last season. I think it's something Troy Weaver really attacked in the offseason. But just give some the, the listeners, again, most of them probably watched him play in college, but what you felt about Isaiah Livers um, in your scattering report with all the draft stuff that you do.
1: So – livers is kind of he's six seven he's really strong and he shoots and that's sort of like the main bit of the scouting report um he is a very accomplished shooter with a with a really good shooting track record um i have zero doubts he's gonna shoot at a pretty high level on catch and shoot shots um the real question with him is what level of defender can he get to uh he's really really strong and that helps him hang up uh hang with sort of the stronger sort of driving forwards and even some bigs but he he's not the fastest guy not the fleetest of foot and and he can really get uh attacked in 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 some of those situations on switches but he's just a really he's just a really good shooter um you know he's not he doesn't have the most versatility on that shot he he struggles off movement and he's not one to hit a ton of pull-ups but he spaces the floor really well he's a good off-ball mover um, actually, a really good finisher too. Even though he's not super athletic, um, so there's definitely some some upside there for him to kind of fill fill in as a role player. And I and I specifically like that pick after you've already taken Cade, um, especially if you plan on Killian being a part of this team in the long term. Uh, I just think you really are going to need a lot of shooting. Uh, and I just I, I thought that was a great pick at forty seven. He was also Um, had an injury. I can't remember exactly what it was, but he ended up missing some of this tournament run. And honestly, the Michigan could have been a title team if he if he had been healthy. Um, It's it's sort of sometimes that's how college basketball goes when it's when it's one and done in that tournament. But he he's a very solid player, Um, not a guy who's going to be averaging 20 anytime soon. Um, you know, I've heard Sadiq Bay comparisons. Sadiq Bay has always had more on-ball juice. Has always uh, just been a savvier player with the ball in his hands. But purely as a as a kind of three and D forward, if he can handle some some good wings on defense, then I think that was a really good pickup.
0: Okay, and so you you brought up Sadiq Bey, who, yeah, I mean, I've heard that comparison with for Isaiah Livers quite a bit. And so let's get right into Sadiq Bey. And we're going to kind of utilize what we saw in Summer League to talk about what we're going to see from our young guys this upcoming season. So we're going to spend this episode, guys, talking about the upcoming season, but we're going to do it in the context of what we saw from Summer League. And and just to backtrack real quick, we're not going to talk about Balsa Kopravica, um, but he did sign with a Serbian national team, Um, I believe he said his dad maybe had played for that team as well, but he is, you know, signed a contract to go play overseas. Um, So I did just want want to mention that. But Sadiq Bey, he's been kind of a hot topic, um, especially with kind of the people I talked to about his ceiling and what did we see from Summer League. Some people saw this playmaking ability. I think there was a Detroit Bad Boy article that talked that Casey wants to see him um, in more of a playmaking role. I'll be honest, Bryce, I don't see that in Sadiq Bey's game right now. Um, I really do kind of see him as that prototypical three and D type wing. Do you see that in his game more than what I'm seeing it and just his all around offensive game?
1: So I definitely think there's more upside than just three and D uh, but I don't necessarily see playmaker either. I think he's probably going to settle in or at least my hope for him is that he'll settle into that sort of in-between role as like a true connector. Um, You know, Say like if three and D was Reggie Bullock, a connector is Nikola Batum, right? Like that's sort of kind of the margins I think Sadiq is playing with. Uh, per- perhaps even a better on-ball scorer than Batum. Um, what I liked, what I liked about Sadiq specifically in the summer league is that he looked really comfortable uh, as a scorer um, in the mid-range. He sort of. he he, he's very strong and sometimes that can make up for lack of burst he was someone who was always talked about as is he athletic enough does he meet the athletic thresholds but he's just really strong uh he he is really good at carving out space with a shoulder or kind of dipping into someone's hip and using that to get some space so i liked what i saw there but i don't see like like he's like Chris Middleton. I, I don't see like that sort of high end outcome, right? He's not that level of shot maker, probably not that level of ball handler or passer. Um, but, you know, if, if there's a time to find it out, it's it's right now. Um, I, I think he can definitely handle more usage than he had his rookie season. Um, and he was a very good rookie, a, a really underrated rookie. I was super impressed by everything he did. Um, the shot is legit. I think there were, he was, Mentioned as a shooter pre draft but I think there were some questions about just how funky the form looked and he didn't have a great track record as a shooter. It was sort of a um, I can't remember his senior or junior year But like he kind of took a big jump as a shooter and that's what made him an NBA prospect, but it looked legit He looked really comfortable. Um, he's consistently got better at that uh, he, he has really solid mechanics on pull-ups like he's he's good at getting away from defenders and his footwork there is really nice Um, but I don't see him ever being like, like a high usage type guy, but I think he can be more than sort of like I mentioned with Isaiah livers. Like, I think he can be more than a stand in the corner, run off the occasional veer pin down and, you know, play defense. Like, I think there's a little bit more than that, but I, I don't think the upside is necessarily astronomical.
0: Yeah, and I agree with that. I mean, I understand the, the Chris Middleton comp- comparisons and, and Vlad, the former host of Motor City Hoops has brought up Chris Middleton from the beginning with Sadiq Bey and you can continue to hear it. And, and I mean, we, I understand that a ceiling doesn't mean you necessarily think that a player is going to get it. The chances of him making that may not be high. So I'm not saying that his ceiling isn't Chris Middleton, his absolute ceiling. Um, I'm just not sure that I see that in his game. I think he's going to be a really, really good player. Um, you know, maybe a fringe all star, you know, in his peak years, and I don't think there's anything wrong with that um, for this team. But one of my things is I'm just not sure where the opportunities come for him to really handle the ball more, play more as the primary ball handler in a ball screen situation or attack in transition because of – Cade Cunningham coming to town, you know, along with Killian Hayes and Saban Lee and, and Jeremy Grant, who, you know, has, doesn't, hasn't been talked a lot about this offseason. So I, I just don't see the opportunities as much. But let's talk about Cade Cunningham, the number one pick, everybody's favorite Piston right now. And again, in the context of what we saw from Summer League, what do you expect to see from Cade Cunningham at the beginning of the season, October 20th, in the first month or so of the season? Um, Just in terms of on the court production and where his game's at, not even the leadership stuff.
1: I expect to see um, a pretty steep learning curve. I think he's, there's going to be some issues he's going to face immediately. And you're going to hear the, um, some peanut gallery like, oh, like this is your number one overall pick. And then he's going to settle in and figure it out. the same thing with LaMelo last year. Um, He, I will say, I was a little discouraged by his sort of inability to generate rim pressure at summer league. Um, I think he's going to have to continue to work on that. Uh, he he lost weight between the end of his senior season or the end of his his college season, excuse me, and a uh, summer league, and I think he should try and be putting that back on. Um, he's not an elite athlete; he doesn't have elite burst. Uh, his best path to becoming a good downhill driver is to be stronger than the person guarding him. Um, and, and if he can play like a two guard, like, I, I think that makes a lot of sense. And he'll be stronger than the person guarding him. Um, but that that jumper is is picture perfect. Um, he could immediately come in and be like a high volume pull up shooter uh, with with good efficiency. Um, it's really, uh, you know, there's I think there's that one sort of famous one, right, where he crossed Jalen Green and, and hit that nice step back. But. He's really comfortable with positive and negative momentum, pull up step backs, um, sort of sidestepping into a shot like it every time he shoots it, it looks like it's going to go in. Um, and that's really impressive. And and he's going to it'll probably take him a minute. But once he once the NBA starts to realize he can do that, he'll start to weaponize that. Um, he is such a smart court mapper um, that 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 jumper is really going to open up a lot of avenues for him. Uh, but. You know, like, like, are you with me? Because, you know, Kate is, is someone who I think is going to be a little more polarizing than some number one overall picks, sort of like how Anthony Edwards was last year in terms of what some people are going to get out of him uh so so how are you feeling about Cade?
0: no i agree i think he is going to be pol- he's already been polarizing you know after one summer league game there was people already questioning it and i've had people tweet at me or comment to me and say what's the wow factor you know Jalen green has this wow factor and I, I believe i've said it on the podcast is i sat there in person in las vegas and watched the wow factor of Jalen green and it is there he pops off at you that athleticism is unbelievable but here's the wow factor with Cade cunningham he He's really, really good at everything. And it's not just on the court. It's the leadership. It's the off the court. Like he is the total package and that's the wow factor. And he's not going to put people on posters and he may not drop anybody with a crossover, but he just does everything. And it might just be a casual, like doesn't even look like he's playing that hard stat line. And then people are going to say that's empty stats and there's no such thing. I I shouldn't say there's no such thing, but not, not to the degree a lot of people act like they are. So... I do think I do agree with you now one thing I'm very interested in you you brought up him losing weight because one aspect of his game I think because I do think he's going to struggle to get to the rim especially early on but I, will, I thought he I was interested to see if he had a little bit more of a post up game and that's something with Sadiq Bey I'd like to see more as well so what, what do you think he kind of can add to his game between now and the start of the season? Is it putting that weight on and adding a floater? Is it a post-up game? You know, what is it? What do you think could, was missing that maybe can be added in the next six weeks?
1: It's sort of a hard timeline to really decide that, but if I were him, I'd be really working on sort of like quick hitter reads out of pick and roll. Um, you know, I, I think Dwayne Casey might have to get um, a little... Ambitious with some offensive sets take advantage of what Cade brings, you know, whether that be sort of pet actions to get Jeremy Grant going as a baseline cutter, because Cade will find that guy. Um, but I think he might have some issues just running a straight up pick and roll early on because of that rim pressure issue and uh, the Pistons sort of lacking a, a, a lob threat like you'd like to see. Um, you know, there, there there are some guys out there who, who I really wish was on this team that I think could maximize him. Um i also think like i think some off ball movement would be good for him i think i think we have this sense that we want to give him immediately like this 28 percent usage and just go from there and just up it every year but i think there's going to be some benefit to like running him with like a Sabin lee because Sabin lee isn't a good shooter but he gets to the rim like no one's business you know so if you run like Sabin lee out there with kelly olinic as the center You can have run a a Sabin Lee, Kelly, pick and pop, where Saban Lee isn't trying to score getting to the basket, but he's trying to get the ball to Cade Cunningham. Cade is then playing off an already advantaged floor. Um, I think if he could just sort of be more comfortable as an off-ball mover, you know, Cade has never once in his life had to play without the ball in his hands, Uh, maybe a little bit at Montverde, but it's not like he was moving a ton at Montverde. He just would let the other incredible players on that team do their thing. so, trying to get him more involved as an off-ball player too, I think could be really helpful for him because, I, 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 you know, I don't want to make this bed that he has to be your guy, your your only offensive player, and then everyone else is just sort of this dummy around him. Like, I, I think he needs to be in a bit more inventive offense. Um, I, I sort of brought up uh, it should be coming out soon. I, I wrote in a, I wrote a piece about. Um, about Killian Hayes and Cade kind of fitting together. And I mentioned that, you know, Cade's two big comparisons he got were Luka Doncic and and Jason Tatum. And I think as a score he's going to be a lot closer to Jason Tatum early on, where this isn't a dude who's going to take all your usage, make every tough shot, uh, get a ton of floaters, get to the lane all the time. You're going to need to involve him a bit more in the offense as a whole and not just give him the ball and say, go get us something. Uh, so I'd like to see some off ball movement um, and, and, you know, maybe a little bit of a post game would be nice because uh, he's, he's going to be bigger than the guy guarding him almost certainly. And, you know, LeBron has become a ruthlessly efficient post player just by being bigger. So those would probably be the two things I would really point to.
0: Yeah, and so I'm really glad that you brought up Cade Cunningham and Killian Hayes and the fit because that's been talked about from day one. And I'm with you. I like seeing Cade play off the ball. The shot looks so pure and so nice. I think it's even underrated from what people were talking about it, even from the 40% three-point that he shot in his one-year at Oklahoma State. So I think Cade playing off the ball is fine. And you brought up Dwayne Casey, and and I, I brought this up as well. Like. I don't think Dwayne Casey probably and J.D. Dubois really ran the sets we're going to see come October 20th with Killian Hayes and Cade Cunningham on the floor. Like, I'm assuming they're saving those for the regular season. So Killian Hayes was very polarizing in this summer league. He was polarizing last year in his rookie year. Can you speak to what you see in that fit between those two guys? You kind of talked about Saban Lee, you know, helping enhance Cade Cunningham's game. Like Killian can kind of do some of those same type of things. So what's your thought on the fit with those two guys? And then just Killian Hayes as a whole, um, based off what you saw in this summer league. Because again, you know, some people walked away from the summer league encouraged by what they saw from Killian Hayes. And some people walked away, not very pleased with it.
1: So I think if, if, if Killian develops right, he's, my ideal point guard next to next decade um i think he could be a really good rim pressure guy um he's six five and he's strong he can fit into a switching system he's a really smart passer um you know it's just i think the question with killian a lot of people bring up is the shot but for me the bigger question is how good can he be as a downhill driver Um, he's not the burstiest guy he is strong he does have good touch but he, he can't really go right. Um, he, if he can be like a really efficient downhill guy who can sort of create that initial churn in a the defense, then to me, he is the perfect player, the perfect point guard next to Kate. If he can't, then it's going to be a really rough fit because if the shot's not there and the type of, you know, say, say the difference, like, so, so I mentioned it's like Saban Lee, um, The difference between like a Saban Lee and like a Ricky Rubio type point guard who can't shoot is really important for the type of player you want to put next to Cade. Um, Ricky Rubio can't shoot. He doesn't generate a ton of rim pressure. He's mostly excels like in transition. And when he's running a pick and roll, running it really slow, really steady, kind of fanning the ball out where it needs to go. I don't think that's what you want with Cade. You want someone who's going to be able to get downhill, generate rim pressure, Create a movement in the defense and let Cade really attack that that mismatch or or or, or the already disadvantaged defense. Um, I, I was somewhat encouraged by what I saw from Killian in summer league. You know, specifically defensively. Um, I, I, I I'm not with the people who think he's like a bust or anything, but. I, I do have my worries about his fit with Cade long term. Um, if 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 he doesn't develop as a as a as a downhill scorer, um, because I think I think it's going to be really tough then, unless you're just counting on him to be your backup point guard.
0: Well, and here's what I will say, Bryce, and, and I, I mean I'd be interested to know if you agree with me. I actually think he is decent at putting pressure on the rim, like getting downhill, creating advantages to me Killian's problem is he doesn't make the right decisions when he gets there so there's been a lot of questions like he's not the quickest most athletic guy but I still think he has enough wiggle that he can go by guys in in isolation not all the time but in certain situations he can use a ball screen obviously going to his left better than his right like to me it's not about getting to the spot Bryce it's about him making the right decision and what ends up usually happening is everybody plays him to pass because he hasn't shown that ability to go in there and and shoot five floaters in a row and score 20 points in a game so everybody plays him to pass you know not it you know just saying almost daring him to score the ball and so that's what has to come is the mindset of I'm going to drive to score and then if it's not there I'm going to pass so I think he can be that guy but I think it's more about just his decision making and mentality more than like the physical attributes necessary to be successful
1: yeah no I would agree um I think I think a lot of it is sort of the developmental pathway he's been on Um, His last year in in France um, he was sort of expected to be like Like the like the team was built around him and and them wanting to get him to the NBA Uh, They really like they put all their chips in the Killian Hayes basket um, and forced him to make decisions and There's some benefit and some You know some drawback from that. I I think i think the nba was a bit of a shock for him when he wasn't as sort of athletically uh above the others as he was in europe he had to sort of take a step up in his craft and he was just thrown off guard by nba caliber rim protectors nba caliber rotations um he kept trying to make the same types of plays he would make in europe that just weren't there Uh, i think he can develop out of that killian hayes Part of what made him an interesting pick at seven that I really liked was that he has been on a very, very steep growth curve from someone who, you know, be- before that draft year probably would have been projected in the 40s, you know, somewhere around like like he was probably more similar as a player to what um Juhan was this year, uh than what he ended up turning into in terms of like prospect profile. Uh, but he ended up having that excellent year. Uh, really bursting onto the scene people kind of track the development he's gone through and it's really impressive Uh, he's a quick learner I just I'm with you where it's it's he needs to develop as a finisher not just as a get a foot in the paint and then try and spray out a pass because if, if you're not a threat to finish it doesn't matter if you get two feet in the paint because they'll just guard you with one guy he needs to Get comfortable in his body, jumping into players, whether it be drawing fouls, sort of finishing. Uh, I think the floater is promising. He just, he hasn't used it a ton. And he's really hesitant to just, like you said, like he's hesitant to like shoot three times in a row or anything. It's like, he feels like he shot a couple times. Now he has to pass. And he doesn't have a choice. Um, and I think that's something he's going to have to grow out of and learn to be a bit more selfish at times to make the team
0: yeah, I agree. And, and you've brought this up a couple times now. You brought it up with Kate and now with Killian. And I think just to, to. It, they don't get to the free throw line. And we saw that in summer league. And so that kind of worries me for the season when you're two primary ball handlers, your guys that are really, you know, going to be tasked with getting downhill and getting to the rim, putting pressure on the rim, um, along with a Jeremy Grant, you know, you obviously there's some guys off the bench, Hami and JJ, but those two guys did not get to the free throw line very much in summer league. And so I think the fact that neither one of them does it kind of highlights it or, uh, makes it even more noticeable you know if one of them was doing it then maybe we wouldn't notice it quite as much but it's like whenever neither of them are doing it and it kind of looks like an issue for both where you know killian looks like he shies away from contact cade maybe doesn't shy away but because of that weight and the size right now um kind of gets pushed off his line and isn't able to take the contact as well like it's a little bit concerning but it is a young backcourt but I want to move off the backcourt a little bit, Bryce, and talk about someone I haven't, that gets talked a lot of, a lot about, but I haven't talked a lot about in recent podcasts, and that's Sekou Dumbuya. And again, another very polarizing player has kind of been talked about more recently because of this, um, us being over one player on the roster. And, you know, is it going to be a wave of Jalil Okafor? Is it going to be a trade? And, you know, I don't think it was an actual report, but there's an article that brought up the, you know, the idea that maybe Sekou would be traded. And I saw you tweet out and it said, you'll never sell your Sekou stock. So just tell the listeners why you're so high on Sekou.
1: So... Seku is um, a really athletic wing forward type player, and and there are times uh, for me the way my team building sort of philosophy is that that's almost enough. But I've always just bought the flashes with Seku, and I just feel like he's never been given the right opportunity um, to do what he can do best. Um, he's flashed some shot making versatility at times. He sort of has the Killian issue where he just looks really uncomfortable in catch and shoot scenarios. Like he doesn't know what to do with his feet and it just throws his whole body out of whack. Um, but he's flash shooting at times. He really gets downhill. Well, you know, we're talking about guys who, uh, you know, being a team that struggles to generate rim pressure, he gets downhill. Well, um, he's never really been tasked to run pick and rolls, but I think there's maybe some untapped potential with him there. I always thought he could do that, uh, even in before his draft year. Uh, and I think there's a lot of defensive upside there too um again i think he's sort of been deployed in the wrong role um, i'd love to see him in sort of like a robert covington or like matisse style type defensive context where he gets to just kind of roam around and wreak a lot of havoc especially you know if our starting center is going to be isaiah stewart or kelly Olynyk, you know that's not the most promising uh rim protection group out there i like Seku who is the type of guy who can maybe help out with that rim protection if he's schemed right. Um, I just think some of the issue with Seku, and this comes back to his, his rookie season, it's just he was someone who was always going to take a specific context to succeed, a specific type of development plan. And he just hasn't been put on it. Um, he was sort of an afterthought his rookie season. And then, you know, these past two years, it, it uh, you know, it hasn't, uh gotten much better past year or, or so um it's just I, I feel like dwayne casey didn't know how to use him and, and perhaps his his best place isn't here maybe he does need to change of scenery it's too bad because i think the pistons would be selling really low on him um, but i actually i love his fit next to cave um, i think we have this we have this thought that team building is all about you know you get a playmaker and then you get five or four guys who can shoot around him and i don't necessarily see it that way um, I really like Seku as a potential switch defender, or like I said, that sort of small ball five type rim protector or sinating or, or, uh, four rim protector. And, and I, I like what he could bring offensively if he was put in the right role, you know, a lot of movement, uh, trying to get him downhill a lot, you know, normalizing and, and simplifying his decisions, his reads. Um, I just, I still think there's a lot of untapped potential Seiko. he's still really young um, He was, I want to say, the youngest Or like second youngest player in his draft year um, and There's just There's still just a lot there And it, it might not be with the Pistons This might not be the best place for him to grow But he's, he's just an athletic wing Who's flashed decision making Who's flashed defense yeah. Like That's the type of player I really want to buy stock in And I, who I think Has a place in the league for yeah. my yeah. team
0: yeah. And I mean, I think what you, the defense was really shown in the summer league, you know, so we're trying to, you know, use the summer league context to talk about what we're hoping to see from these guys. And defensively, I thought he really showed out well in the summer league. I actually agree with you. I didn't think he was a great fit on last year's team because of the lack of shooting. And it seemed like he was always on the floor with two other guys who wanted to cut to the rim as opposed to you know, stand out and and space the floor. So, like, he would make a cut, but also Tyler Cook wanted to make a cut or Josh Jackson wanted to make a cut. Now, he may still run into some of that depending on the lineup, but you're right. If you have a Cade Cunningham or a Killian, you don't have to necessarily put four shooters around him, but you can put three shooters around him and then a guy that cuts really well like Sekou. So, I think he may fit a little bit better this year with the the run-the-floor, hard cuts in in the half court and then you brought up the pick and roll and when me and ku from locked on pistons we talked about this and ku looked it up on synergy and it's just not an area a, a situation he's been put in a lot as a pick and roll in the pick and roll uh, the role guy and he actually has fared very well in it so i'm interested to see if we see more of that but i'm with you i don't know as that i'm as high on say ku as a lot of people um but i do i've i've went on the record saying i want to see him get a full 82 games this year to see what he can do can do and kind of in constant rotation minutes um, but you kind of brought up how young he was and so I want to transition that into something that I kind of tweeted about um, this morning we're recording this on Wednesday night and that's just kind of some of these different rotations the Pistons could roll out this year so we're going to kind of have just a little bit of fun but I mean some seriousness with it as well so I tweeted out one of them was the all 20 year old lineup and actually Sadiq Bay's is 22 there's only four guys that are that are 20 but Killian Hayes, Kate Cunningham, Sadiq Bay, Seku, and Isaiah Stewart. Is that a lineup you think we could actually see this year? And do you think it's a lineup that could be successful?
1: And not successful in the traditional sense of like winning games. Uh, but I think it could be successful in in getting guys different opportunities. Um, I really like that lineup if you're going to let Killian play on ball a lot, um, get him in pick and rolls with Isaiah Stewart, try and get you know, try and figure out maybe if Isaiah Stewart can really operate in the short role at, at a high level. Um, you know, maybe run some some dummy actions to get Sekou as a cutter and and have Isaiah Stewart operate in the short role with two elite shooters on the wing. Um, I, I really like that there. My worry with it is that I, I don't know if they'll be able to play in transition a lot. Uh, that sort of, I think if you're trying to play that group in transition, you're relying a lot on... Seku and and cave to sort of carry the transition load uh, Isaiah Stewart's an okay transition player Sadiq Bey can spot up in transition, but that's not what I would call like an elite transition group Um, but I I I think that could be a really fun lineup and I think It would give if if Casey were to take this season And not think about it in terms of wins and losses, but think about it mostly through the lens of really trying to develop these players and get them in different situations to see where they excel. Um, I really, really like it in that way because I think that's one of those lineups where you can really get Cade going off ball. Um, when he is in transition, he'll have the ball more. You know, he can run maybe quick hitter, pick and rolls with, with Seku or Stewart, or, or even Sadiq if you were trying to get him downhill. Um, I, I, I like that lineup a bit, and obviously it's it's really young, but it, it doesn't have the same pitfalls of a normal, like, really young lineup because Sadiq Bey is a really intelligent player, Kate Cunningham obviously, Um, uh, Killian Hayes is a a pretty smart player, and even, you know, Stu, Stu and Sekou aren't like, you know, they're not JaVale McGee or like Jackson Hayes out there where they don't know what they're doing. Like, those are guys who make solid decisions without the ball. So. I definitely think there's some fun to be had with that lineup. Yeah.
0: I mean, I think it's interesting. You brought up how the young lineup there actually wouldn't be the transition lineup. And I, you know, I, you know, if we went to an all athletic lineup, um, we're not going to talk about it right now, but it was brought up today. You know, it kind of gets hard. I don't know that you can fill in all the spots with guys that you would call like kind of elite athletes or, but, you know, that was brought up as well with our young core. I had somebody ask me on Twitter, like, are you worried that our young core doesn't look as athletic again at Summer League compared to some of these other teams? And, you know, I, I can understand why that worries fans at times, but I think in general, you have to bank on the basketball IQ and skill level of these guys. And like you said, with it being a young lineup, there's a lot of basketball IQ in that lineup where you think you could put them on the floor and they could compete again. Like you say, maybe not like leading to wins, but I, I hope we see it every now and then, as we go throughout the season. How about we go to a couple other lineups that I think people um, think that we really could see that, maybe, you know, maybe they're part of the rotations um, that happen throughout this season. So I call it the the all big lineup, the tall lineup. Cade Cunningham at the one, Sadiq at the two, Jeremy Grant, Isaiah Stewart, and Kelly Olenek playing the floor together as bigs. Do you think that's a lineup we'll actually see this season?
1: Yeah, I, I really do think that's one we'll see. Um, you know, maybe it'll be like like a Saban Lee instead of like a city or something like that. But I think we could see some variations of this lineup, specifically the grant, Olinick stew front court. Uh, I, I don't, I don't hate this lineup. I don't love it either. I think, I, I think there's some interesting stuff to be done here. Um, if you're trying to get Olinick playing off the ball and really force Kate Huntingham to be that sort of all time usage type player, um, which you know, there's there's some efficacy to be had there in terms of development. Um, I really think, like, Cade like Cunningham is going to do wonders for Jeremy Grant. Uh, I think whenever they're out on the floor together, uh, it like, that'll be the best two-man tandem on the on the Pistons to me, and it won't even be particularly close. Um, I really think Cade Cunningham is going to get Jeremy Grant to his spots. You know, Jeremy B- Grant had a year last year to really develop as a shot maker and sort of figure out what he can and can't do with the ball in his hands. I like him attacking uh, sort of a secondary, uh, you know, secondary option, or even if he's going to create the primary move, getting it to Cade Cunningham and then playing off of there. Like, I think those two guys are a really, really good fit together. um, And I think Cade can really help, help, Help continue Jeremy Grant's improvement that we saw last year, um, and and really help him be the best version of Jeremy Grant we've seen.
0: No, I agree with that. I've said that. I think that I, I agree a whole hundred percent with you. That I think Cade Cunningham helps put Jeremy Grant all the things you said, and then he also helps put Jeremy Grant in the role that he needs to be. Like Jeremy Grant was awesome last year and it was great to see. I still think he was maybe being asked to do a little bit more than what he was ready for. And, and maybe he's gonna be ready for all of that and more this season after a whole season last year of doing it and then an off season to develop and learn from it and get better. But I really think Cade coming to town helps put Jeremy Grant in a role that really fits him really well. Um, before we move on to the last lineup, I want to talk about you, just in general, just talking about Kelly Olynyk and Isaiah Stewart, do you think them playing together as bigs um, will work. Do like, is that a, a combination? No matter who the other three players are, that you, lo- I guess it would matter who the other three players are, but do you think those guys can play together? Because I personally do. I think because of Olenek's ability to stretch the floor, you can go stand him in the corner, let Isaiah Stewart play pick and roll or even pick and pop. And then I think defensively, Stewart's ability to switch out on the perimeter allows it to work on the defensive end also. Now, still, maybe not a lot of rim protection. That's an area of concern anyway, no matter what the line. Lineup is, but do you think those guys? Those are those are two guys that can play together.
1: Yeah, I, I do. Um, I'd really like to see him with either Jeremy Grant or Seku out there uh, to be that sort of help rim protector. Uh, but I, I think that could work, especially if you weaponize Kelly Olynyk. Right, Um, Kelly Olynyk, like I feel like he sort of has untapped potential as like a Davis Bertons esque movement shooter. Probably not quite to that level of shooter. I mean, Davis. Uh, before he got that big contract from the Wizards, was having a pretty historic shooting season for a 6'10 guy um, who only shot from, like, 28 feet plus. Uh, Kelly Olenek isn't quite that level shooter, but I think you could really get him going off the ball and and really sprinting into movement screens. And then he's also, like, a really underrated kind of post-player finisher. Um, I really like him as a pick-and-roll partner for Saban Lee, Killian Hayes, or Kate Cunningham, um, whether that be him sort of getting work in the short role, or getting a switch and, and beating a smaller guy, or of course, you know, popping, uh, and, and getting an open shot. Um, so I really like Kelly O'Linnick next to Isaiah Stewart. I don't, I don't want it to be something we see all the time, but I also think it could be really important for Stu's development. If he gets some minutes before gets to play a role as more of a, maybe a passer or, or guarding, you know, I would, I would I don't mind just throwing him into the fire and seeing like you know let's put him on Pascal Siakam and just see if he can guard him. And if he can't, he can't, then we know. Then we know he has to be a 5, sort of an energy 5. But if he can be like like legit really slowing down a Pascal Siakam or a you know Chris Middleton's probably too much of a shooter, but you know guys like that sort of wing forwards. Like if he can guard those guys okay, then I think you're really you know, cooking a beef stew, I guess. Uh, you know, cooking with gas with him. Um, I, I I I like that for his development a lot. So yeah, I think that's a lineup I hope we see. Oh, that no, I
0: I love that you brought that up. I mean, like you say, this is the year to I think this is still the year to find those things out. You kinda of brought it up earlier. I wanna go I want us to try to win as many games as possible. I think we will um I think the organization, I think it really tore Troy Weaver and the organization up as it would anybody losing all those games last year. So I think they're going to try to win as many games, but I think, I hope that we still see things like that. Look like, and it may be hard to watch if it doesn't work out. You know, last year they tried an Isaiah Stewart, Mason Plumley lineup that didn't look very good, but I agree with that. You know, I think you go find out some of those things about your guys, about your lineups. Um, so I hope we see some things like that. The, the last one before we go around the NBA for just a little bit, and that's what I called the shooting lineup. So Cade Cunningham, Frank Jackson, Sadiq Bey, Jeremy Grant, Kelly O'Linick, all guys that are flirting around 40% from the three-point line. This is a lineup I truly think we're gonna see quite a bit. I love Frank Jackson next to Cade Cunningham. You just brought up Kelly O'Linick playing with Cade Cunningham. I really think this is a lineup that, that could work really well. Um, I think even defensively, even though Frank's not very good, I think you can hide him a little bit. And Kelly Olynyk is at least a neutral defender. What do you think about that shooting lineup?
1: Yeah, so I'm a known Frank J- Jackson stan. Uh, I've been in love with him since I saw him in New Orleans. I um, I, I think he is a really really versatile shooter, specifically with pull ups. Um, he has a, a good ability to score in the mid range or from deep, coming off you know screens, coming off pin downs. Um, I really like Frank Jackson. Uh, I hope we see quite a few minutes from him. I think I think. Uh, well, maybe I, before we move on, I want to ask you about what you think the starting lineup could be should be, because I might have a hot take. But I, I might argue that Frank Jackson should be our sixth or seventh man type guy. Um so I, I really like this lineup here. This is another one where I feel like this is one of those lineups where you're just gonna give Cade the ball and and see how it goes. Um again, I think this lineup could be really effective because him and Jeremy Grant are on the floor together with Sadiq Bey. That just to me that just that just screams like it's gonna work those are probably your three best players um they're gonna have a lot of space uh i would really want to use jeremy grant as the role man here pretty much at all times um he kind of makes up for everything cade lacks uh in terms of getting to the rim and finishing um and he's not a bad passer either so you surround him with this space you get him going downhill uh he makes a quick corner pass to kelly Olynyk, who either shoots it or you know moves it up to a sneak Bay. like there's there's just a theory here that makes a lot of sense. I... Uh, so, yeah... I- no,
0: sorry. I was just going to say, I love that. I love the idea of Cade and Jeremy Grant and pick and pop, pick and roll. And then with this lineup, you have Frank Jackson, Kelly Olynyk, and Sadiq Bey around them ready to catch and shoot. Like, are you kidding me? Like, I love that. I hadn't even thought about that. I've talked about Cade Cunningham, Jeremy Grant running pick and roll at times. But, man, that is, that is awesome. I really like that. the thought of that right there. And um, so I'm going to go ahead and answer your question, then I'll let you talk on it. I was actually on Locked On Pistons with Koo last night, um, and kind of this got brought up. I think the starting lineup, at least to start the season, is going to be Killian, Cade, Bay, Grant. And I actually like the idea idea of Isaiah Stewart starting because I like Kelly O'Linick in the second unit providing some of that three-point shooting that might be lacking depending on who they decide to go with in the second unit. Now that could change depending on who they decide. And I still wanna see Kelly O'Linick play with Cade Cunningham and Killian Hayes, because I think he really helps them. But I see Killian Hayes ending up running the second unit a lot as they stagger minutes. But right now, if I had to put money on it, it would probably be those guys for my starting five.
1: Yeah, so that's fair. Um, I think where I really differ from you is that I would switch I would switch Kelly Olenek and Isaiah Stewart, and then I would also switch Killian Hayes and Saban Lee. Um, I, I feel like that's maybe my hottest Pistons take is that I want Saban Lee to start. But uh, I, I think Saban Lee is is the type of point guard you want next to Cade um early in his career maybe not the point guard but i think the touches i want killian to get i'm much more comfortable with him getting next to frank jackson Hamid diallo uh, you know isaiah stewart and and seku um, that's sort of the lineup i want him in i want to force him to play fast i want to force him to be the playmaker the scorer um, i don't think you're gonna do that with kate i think you're gonna force him off ball too much um, and i don't think he's gonna maximize kate either I, I, I want to see Saban Lee start, even though I don't think he's better than Killian Hayes. I think he's better at what you want him to be better at. Um, and then maybe you close with Killian Hayes uh, and, and Stu. Like I, I like that as a closing lineup, and that's what you want, like, your best lineup to be. But I think I would prefer Saban Lee as my
0: starter. No, that's awesome. Like, I, I'm, I'm here for it. I think that's very interesting. I, I love anybody listening to this. Um, I would love to hit us up on Twitter on the Detroit bad boys. If that's where you find us in the comments and let us know what you think about that. Cause that's a first for me. Um, and, and like I said, like, I, I think that's very interesting. I, I'm, I'm high on Saban Lee as well. I don't know that I think he's there yet. Um, I just wrote an article on Detroit Bad Boys. If you guys haven't seen it yet, make sure you go check that out. Um, but very interesting take here from Bryce on the starting lineup. And again, I, I just want you guys to know, I like to always, because sometimes I think people think, people say stuff just as hot takes or to get clicks or whatever. like Bryce is not that type of guy so like this is 100% something you believe in kind of thought about and as you outlined there so um I I hate to leave the Detroit Pistons um off with that but I do want to get a little around the NBA in our last 10 minutes we have about 10 minutes left to go here so Bryce you essentially watched I don't know you can correct me if I'm wrong you watched a lot of the summer league games you would tape them and go back and watch them I'd see you tweeting about it I just because of time I'm only going to ask you for one but who is one guy obviously outside of Detroit that you kind of took away from summer league? Like, wow, he, he kind of impressed me. And I know it's summer league, so we're not going to overreact, but one guy in summer league who really showed out or maybe a guy who you're like, man, he kind of struggled more than I thought he was going to.
1: So, you know, if there's a lot of names I could bring up here. Uh, for me, summer league is mostly about kind of scouting back end roster guys. Um, for the most part, I can't think of one player that I've ever really changed my priors on, uh, based on summer league. Uh, you know, summer league is the type of setting where certain guys are really going to succeed. Uh, you know, like a Sharif Cooper or a Tyrese Maxey guys who don't need a scheme who defenses aren't going to, uh, adjust to their weaknesses and they're going to, you know, they're such good downhill drivers or passers or whatever. They're just going to get their buckets. Um, but I think the guy that really impressed me, uh, was malachi flynn um i'm a bit of a homer malachi flynn was a kook i remember watching him Uh, he's from tacoma as well so i'm a huge malachi flynn fan i had him sixth on my board last year but he just he does like he does everything you would want him to do Um, he runs one of the best pick and rolls for any player his age in the world in my opinion he is so good at playing at a good pace getting good shots for himself or others. Um, He's a really solid defender. Uh, He can get downhill or he can shoot. He can play on or off ball. And he just got to show that all. You know, he didn't have the most efficient summer league, but that Raptors summer league team was, you know, I don't like to talk about bad summer league teams, but, you know, he was basically forced to do kind of everything when he was on the floor. He only played uh, one or two games. I can't remember exactly, but he was everything I I wanted him to be I hoped he would be Uh, I was really impressed with Malachi
0: no I agree Malachi Flynn is a guy who I didn't know a ton about Um, and then he caught my eye when I was actually doing some NBA breakdowns of some other players and for a different project and I was like man like it wasn't even the Raptors it was somebody they just happened to be playing against the the guy I was watching and I was like he just kept jumping off the screen at me and kept jumping off the screen at me I was like man this guy is really good and then again I was there for the you know opening night of summer League and he looked really good that night, and you could just tell like he 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 looked different than everybody else on the floor. Like you could just tell he really almost didn't belong there, and he was the best player on the floor. And it almost didn't even look like he was really trying. So I'm really high on Malachi Flynn as well, and really interested to see what kind of year he has with Kyle Lowry gone. You know, and I assume a backcourt of him and Fred Van, Fred Van Vliet kind of running the show back there together. So. As we look at just the NBA in general, and, and you can take this from the draft, from the free agency, a combination, what's one team in the association you just really, really like what they did, Bryce? Like, just all around offseason, you kind of feel like they crushed it, whether, like I say, whether it was a draft, free agency, trades, or all of the above.
1: That's tough. Um, I'm really happy with what my Jazz did. Um, I, You know, it's small stuff, uh, but I, I like what they did. Um, I think the team that I'm always drawn to, they're going to be, I guess, my third team this year behind the Pistons and the Jazz. Uh, it's going to be the Hornets. Um, I really, really love the Hornets draft. I could gush about that for the next 50 minutes if you'd let me. Uh, but I won't. I, I just, I really like their draft. Uh, they had to move on from Devontae Graham, but they got a first round pick and I honestly think that was probably the right move. Um, I, I didn't love his fit next to LaMelo. I think he's I see him sort of as a high end backup point guard. They let him go. Um, The Terry Rozier contract that was a little bit more that I would pay him. But I also think Terry Rozier is a really underrated player. Um, And then I just I just love like they're doing sort of what I want the Pistons to do with Cade, which is just buy into your player strengths and maximize them as much as possible. You know, Kai Jones, JD Thor, even James Booknight, who I don't think was a guy. They loved, but he kind of fell to them at 11. Those are all guys where you're like, you see how Lamelo maximizes them. Uh, Lamelo's strength as a passer in transition, um, eventually probably a really elite pick and roll player. Like, like, they're just trying to maximize that. And I love it. I loved Kai Jones. Um, so the Hornets are sort of that team for me. No, I agree. I really like what
0: the Hornets did as well. Um, you know, I, I'm a fan of Devonte Graham. I like his game, but like you said, you know, they end up getting a first round pick and a sign and trade, and then I don't want to say you replace him, but then you get James Booknight, you know, in the draft to kind of maybe fill that void a little bit. Um, you brought up Kai Jones, JT Thor, so I, I like what the the Hornets have going on as well. And so that that was a team I really liked. Also, how about a team? Last question here before I let you go, Bryce. How about a team that maybe? You know, I hate to be overly negative, but maybe a team that left you scratching your head this offseason—that maybe you just weren't as high on what they did, maybe you didn't like what they did in the draft, maybe you didn't like what they did in the offseason, or maybe they just didn't do anything in general when you thought they had an opportunity to do so.
1: Um, so, apologies to my to my friends uh, Mark Schindler and Evans Zouche because uh, they loved what this team did, but I I'm I'm still to this day scratching my head, and that's the Chicago Bulls. Um, I. I struggle to think of a move they made that I'm, that I liked. Um, I think Iota Sunmu at 38 was an okay pick, but I thought David Johnson was a better version of IO and he was still on the board and fell to 46 or 47 to the Raptors. Um, and then, you know, the DeMar DeRozan signing uh, just, just going all in on a team that I don't think is a top six team in the East is just, It's just rough for me, and I understand if you're, like, a Bulls fan, why you would really love this, right? I I feel like Bulls fans have been neglected um, by their ownership and and the the way their team has been run for a long time. Um, But I don't think going all in on a team uh, that—I don't see a world where they get out of the first round unless Zach Levine takes— some enormous leap and becomes, you know, a top five scorer in the NBA, which, it, you know, is not out of the question, but it, it, I think that's also sort of a reach. Um, I didn't like the DeMar DeRozan contract. I especially don't like that they had to give up Th- Thad Young to get him. Um, I thought Thad Young could really, really help this team um, if they're trying to do what they're trying to do. Um, and then, you know, Alonzo Ball is okay, but you're, I think you're sort of asking him to play a role he's he's not best suited for. Um, and I just, I also think, and this is part of partially personal, but I was really looking forward to the development of Patrick Williams. And I thought he could potentially be a second star next to Zach Levine in, in four or five years. And I just don't think that's going to happen now, at least not in Chicago. I just, I think what they've done will really stunt him. So I, I thought the Bulls had a, had a rough off season by my mind. No,
0: I agree. I think you make a lot of very valid points and kind of brought up on the last episode when me and Eli were talking about it and it just, it seemed like a lot of moves and a lot of money and a lot of giving up the future um, to win now when the win now doesn't really look like much outside of like maybe you could see them stealing a first round series but nothing beyond that and so it's just hard to really love what they did like you it's hard to blame a team for going for it like I always enjoy that like that a team and respect that that, that a team goes for it but just whenever you look at it it's kind of hard to be excited or really be a fan of them going for it when it doesn't really look like it's going to pay off. Unless, like you say, Zach Levine just really blows up. I like Patrick Williams. So, I mean, I think you just look at the names and the roster and there's still some things to be excited about. You just wonder if it's going to come together in a way that it's really going to pay off. but we're going to stop it there, guys, and, and Bryce is going to be a regular. We'll definitely have him on a, you know more. He'll be watching all the Pistons games. We talked about this before we recorded You know, with him working um, for Detroit Bad Boys now. Um, so we'll definitely have him on come season talking about recap of games and what he's seen so far in the year. But thank you, Bryce, again for joining me the second time. Obviously, we're going to have you back, and I want to just give you a chance right now to let everybody know where they can find you and all of the great content that you produce.
1: Yeah. So, uh, you know, you mentioned it. I'm, I'm, uh, now at Detroit bad boys. Um, you know, it's definitely, I kind of joined at a weird time where we're at this sort of dead zone uh, of basketball life, but, um, I I've enjoyed what I've written there so far. I like that they, 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 I have a certain structure cause I'm writing about one team, but there's also a certain freedom. They allot you. Um, it's a lot better than past writing gigs I've had. Uh, I also write for roll call. I do I'll pretty much strictly draft stuff there. Um, I've kind of been on a break from that, but I have it's going to end up being probably seven, 8,000 words on uh, next year's draft, big preview of it. So um, you can look forward to that. And then I host the Upside Swings Draft podcast. Um, It comes out once weekly on Sundays. So uh, yeah, I do that. So this has been great. Uh, Bryce, uh, when the two Bryce's team up, it's, it's magic in my opinion. So uh, this has been incredible. Thank you so much for having me. No,
0: absolutely. I always enjoy it. This has been a blast. A lot of really good stuff. I think the listeners will enjoy it. Um, I want to continue to thank all of you for listening to the Motor City Hoops podcast and all the support for it and all the content I'm putting out. Again, I want to thank Detroit bad boys for the platform they have given me to reach the audience that I have. I'll have a new episode for you on Monday with Matt Issa to discuss his incredible project, The Quest for the Best, a podcast series counting down the top 10 players in NBA history, which will premiere in the coming weeks as part of the Hoopheads podcast and network. This is a project he has spent countless hours on watching films, doing interviews with guys like Bob Ryan, Trajan Langdon, Dean Oliver, Mike Woodson, and my former college coach, Jeff Jones and Motor City Hoops will get the first crack at asking him about it. We will still get plenty of Pistons conversation as we get his thoughts on the future of the Pistons and answer some mailbag questions. Make sure you check that out on Monday, and we'll talk to you soon. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Motor City Hoops podcast. Please give us a rating, drop a review, and subscribe. For more content, including video breakdowns, make sure you follow us at Motor City Hoops on Twitter. I hope you join us next episode. Until then, be safe and be well.